This is a disaster, a podcast about disasters and the music they make us listen to. And you're joining us for another Tragedy Tuesday, our mini episodes about disasters that aren't so mini. Uh, I'm Peter, and I'm here with my co-host Lee. Hi there. And today, I'm going to tell you about mayhem on Mount Everest. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So I'm just going to start off with a question here. Uh, what's the laziest you've ever felt? And just keep that in mind. Today or? Just on, ever. Oh, it's, keep a, that it's, in mind. it's a rhetorical? It's like, just keep that in there. The laziest just, I've ever felt. Yeah, just okay. think of a, think of like the laziest you've ever felt and okay. we'll come back to it. Okay. Mount Everest. <laughs> so it's found in Nepal. That's right. Uh, which is between China and India. Okay. Uh, in Nepali, it's called uh, Sagarmatha. Sagarmatha. Hmm. Uh, in Tibetan, it's Chomolungma. Hmm. Getting better pronunciations That's, already. You're taking on a lot with these <laughs> yeah, <laughs> non-white words. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's Earth's highest mountain, yeah. which is 8,848 meters, Gosh. or for our friends down south, 29,209 feet, or uh, 8.5 kilometers, or 5.3 miles. Jeez. The kilometers really puts, a, puts it in perspective. Yeah. I was just <laughs> thinking now, it's interesting how kilometers work because 8.5 kilometers isn't really that far to walk. But when you then picture uh, that distance straight up. Straight up. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I don't know what the distance between well, whatever. It's it's it's, it's a yeah. It's a five or ten minute drive up. But yeah, that's on fair. your feet. That's a, yeah, there you go. There you go. Okay, that's good that's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah there we go. Um, so it received its official English name from the Royal Geographical Society in 1865. Yeah. And it was named after a prominent British surveyor general of India, Sir George Everest. Okay. Apparently he didn't really want it to happen, but then he died and they did it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you lose all your voting rights when you but die. But to be fair, like, I would, I'd kind of jump at that. It's like, hey, we're going to name the tallest mountain in the world after you. Yeah. Yeah. This is Mount Zakar. Bring it on. Like, yes, you are. Yep. You sure are. Got any comets you need discovering? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you carve my face into it? Yeah. <laughs> um, so as of 27... 27- <laughs> where will my face go? <laughs> I don't think you understand the naming of where is my face yeah. going where on the Where and map. when? How long? <laughs> yeah. No, it's just, it's just the name. Not interesting. <sighs> um, so as of 2017, <laughs> almost 300 people have died on Everest. Wow. And the creepy part is that their bodies usually stay there. I've heard that, yeah. <laughs> because what like, are you gonna do? Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna climb Everest to carry down another person your weight. Like that's Un- unthinkable. Yeah, yeah, and there's some of that coming up, so we'll see. Okay. Or or is there? Well, you know the name of the podcast. <laughs> Just smooth sailing. Yeah. So the first right official up. ascent of Everest was made by Tenzing Norgay and Edmund Hillary in nineteen fifty three. Uh, that name might sound familiar, Hillary. The, the second one yeah. sounds familiar. Uh, so Tenzing Norway was uh his nor uh, Norgay was his uh, Sherpa, I think, or his guide. Oh, sure. Yeah, so there's usually like, you have this party of like guides and Sherpas that are locals that help out. And Who can just go up there skipping. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's obviously an exaggeration, but yeah, like right. they're, it's, they're much more climatized to the altitudes. Right. And, yeah. They're adept. So this is actually interestingly some controversy about uh, Hillary's ascent. Mm. So, <clears throat> so he was actually going up at around the same time as uh, George Mallory and Andrew Irvine made an attempt. So actually they made their attempt in 1924, but they never returned. Oh. So the controversy comes from the fact that they, they possibly made it to the top. They didn't come back. So maybe they just didn't make it down. So they might've been the first ones at the top. Okay. Um, but then Mallory's body was found in 1999 Oh. Um, at 8,155 meters. So just about 700 meters shy of the summit, but it's not clear whether that's him going up or him coming down. 
Uh, uh, yeah, forget it. Sure. Forget it, Mallory. Yeah. No. Yeah. So it, we give it to Hillary. Yeah. Hillary made it. <laughs> he lived to tell the tale. There you go. That's, I guess that's the that wins. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and like you're never gonna you're never gonna answer that question. Yeah, right? Exactly. Like you can you can't really forensic. Yeah. So it's a perilous journey. Mm. Um, and uh, there's lots of information about these first ascents. Okay. Um, it's basically like a uh, monumental human achievement. Right. And what is I find kind of funny is that like you have you have books written about Hillary and the trials that he had to go through to make it to the top, and it's just like this triumph of human will over a mountain. Mm-hmm. Now over four thousand people have scaled it to the summit. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know, on the one hand, we talk about how like unforgiving nature can be and how it just like can completely wipe us out. Yeah. But there's also things like this where it's a little bit like conquering nature. Like one person does it and then it's like, look what I can do. Look, right. no hand, And now I'm going to do it with no hands. <laughs> now I'm going to do it with no oxygen. Yeah, now I'm doing yeah. it backwards. <laughs> like, right? Showing off. Yeah. And this is actually. Uh, so is that because it's easier because of available equipment or probably that's part of it well yeah. i guess they didn't have would he have had, he wouldn't have not have had oxygen tanks 1950s i think he maybe might have. So in some in some yeah. limited but he didn't have carbon fiber and titanium right. bits and or whatever. like super warm coat yeah and, exactly yeah, yeah yeah so it really like it that it makes w- a really was a different kind of triumph and also not to minimize people to climb it now because it's still you're climbing straight up 8.5 oh, kilometers an unforgiving mountain yeah um, but it's just funny that like one person does it and then it's like a torrent of people <laughs> like, oh, oh so it can be done well, yeah. let's go exactly yeah. and this is actually I thought it, uh, it reminded me as well of my uh, brother-in-law Steve I missed um, him in the last episode <laughs> I, made, I made a promise that I would find a way to bring him up in I'm gonna meet episode. this guy <laughs> Sounds like Superman. So, so, but this is this is a little bit obvious because he climbs the hills in Scotland, like I was saying. Oh, okay. Like he, he basically not like say Everest he style. It. No, he don't, well, he'll get I don't there. know if he's interested. Maybe I don't know. I'll ask him. I'm going to see him this weekend. Start with K two, <clears throat> yeah, and work your way work your way up. The Sylvester Stallone movie. Oh, K two is the second highest. Yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. but also there's a movie. I, I got confused because there's a movie called Cliffhanger, which is about Sylvester Stallone on the mountains. But there's also a movie called K two. <laughs> this isn't even a sidebar. I'm this just going on just, a tangent. We're just a stream of consciousness. Focus. Okay. Anyway, back to Steve. Steve. So he, it, it, the analogy here is he hasn't done Everest, but there is something in Scotland. So he climbs the Scottish hills, and there's something called Monroe bagging. Oh. So there are these um, peaks, and these are all peaks that are higher than um, uh, 914 meters, and there's so there's about 282 of them. Okay. Um. And you climb them all, and then you get this pla- this plaque that says that you've bagged them in rows. <clears throat> so it's the perfect example where, like, in 1891, Sir Hugh T. Munro surveyed and cataloged the peaks. And it was, like, this achievement of, like, cataloging. It's like, now we know everything in Scotland. And mm. I did it myself. I did it. Triumph of... 20, 2019, Steve is working on his second round of bagging the Munros <laughs> as a hobby for fun. Right. So it's the like, same what does that thing. mean? Dunno. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Who's this Monroe character? Yeah. So it's just it's funny that like it goes from like this like pinnacle of human achievement for this one person to do it, and now like people do no, it as it's a just hobby. Sort of a weekend thing. Not an easy hobby, but it's like yeah, just gonna yeah. do that again, I guess. Yeah. Again. So on the tenth of May, nineteen ninety six, back to Everest. Uh, for well, we never left Everest, but we went on a slight Scottish tangent. Okay, <clears throat> so we're in 1996 now. Yeah. Okay. May 10th, 1996. All right. Four teams were attempting to reach the summit. You had adventure consultants. 
It's one of the names. <laughs> yeah, it gets it gets um, Mountain Madness, which was the other team. Nerds. Okay, so two things to say about this. First of all, <laughs> I read At the Mountains of Madness by uh, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. Lovecraft. That's a great book. Yeah, I read that. Another thing, when you name your team Mountain Madness, <laughs> something tells me you're not taking this seriously. No. Maybe... Uh, <laughs> Take Maybe. stock of where you are. Yeah. <laughs> keep in mind that that is an actual thing that can happen yeah. when you yeah. get up into those. Yeah. So anyway, and then there was a, ta- there was a Taiwanese expedition and then there was like an Indo-Tibetan border police expedition. So like okay. these two named ones and these other expeditions. Right. <clears throat> so a sizable group of like these, um, these four teams uh, began their final ascent shortly after midnight. So they had made it most of the way up the mountain. There's a camp. And oh, then yeah, they, they start their ascent to the summit. Okay. Shortly after midnight. And I guess there's nothing strange about that. That's just when it's done. Okay. And there's multiple people from the various teams, including guides and Sherpas. All right. There's an immediate delay. <clears throat> okay. So they reach this feature on Everest called the balcony. Uh-huh. Um, and it's basically just a checkpoint along the ascent. And what they find is that the guides hadn't set the fixed ropes by the time they got there, which you're supposed to, like the guides go first, they set the ropes so that everybody else can get there. Okay. But that hadn't been done yet. Well, cheating, and they ended anyway. up waiting an hour at the balcony. So oh, they're okay. at 8,350 meters now. So about, uh, I think it's about 500 meters from the summit. <clears throat> so everyone arrives, the lines haven't been set and they're just Standing around now. Yeah. And there's better places to stand around than Mount Everest. <laughs> Getting and, woozy probably. Yeah. Not <laughs> helping. Um, eventually they fix the lines and they continue climbing. Uh, and then they reach a second feature called the Hillary Step. <clears throat> and the same thing happened. The lines hadn't been set. Mm. So now they're at 8,760 meters. <laughs> Not a lot of oxygen this high up. No. <clears throat> so basically what you're carrying is what you get. Right. Um... At this point, three climbers return to the camp, fearing they wouldn't have enough oxygen to make it to the top. Okay, smart. And go back. And we'll see that that was maybe a good call. (laughs) Um, The other confounding factor here is that the guides had asked the climbers to stay within 150 meters of each other, Mm -hmm. uh, about 500 feet. uh, And this created a massive bottleneck at the single line at Hillary Step. Okay. So you're staying pretty close to the next person. And so now like everyone's kind of bunching up. Like So they're considerably less than 500 feet, which is... Yeah. Quite a distance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're in so, a little train? Uh, kind, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so... Okay, okay. Not not great. No. Uh, but, so eventually the lines are set. They keep climbing. Some reach the summit. Others turn back. Um, the point of no return, I guess it's important to say, is that they can't... Um, to, to return safely, they can't reach the summit later than 2 p.m. So they left at midnight, and they're climbing. Uh, and, like, basically it's like the cutoff is if... Like if you reach the summit by 2 p.m. and you start coming back down, then you'll make it down safely. Okay. But any, like much later than that and you're but in you trouble. you don't want to be up there at the dead of night? Is Not necessarily. Idea? I don't, yeah, it's, it's like you lose, you lose daylight if you go any later on the way down. Okay. And weather is worse, I guess, at night. It's colder, certainly. Right. But so, they left at midnight. Yeah. So it's. So it's sort of assuming the dawn will bring the sun and that yeah. and it's all timed. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so <clears throat> yeah, so any later and they wouldn't make it back to camp after, until after nightfall, nightfall. So a bunch of people make it to the summit, but the first group leaves at 2.30 PM to come back down. Is that mountain madness? Uh, I don't, I don't actually know. Don't actually, let's just assume but it is. Cause it's like the stupidest name. Yeah. They're, 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 they've got the dumbest name. <laughs> it's like t- treating it like an office party. And so like 2.30 PM, you're already like, 
uh, you're you're pushing you're it, pushing your luck. Some people didn't reach the summit until three forty-five p.m., so they kept going. Um, which <laughs> yeah, go be a hero. <laughs> yeah, like anyway, see how that works. Out. Maybe we'll we'll do a debrief at the end here, see about <laughs> motivations. But oh, anyway. I love a debrief. So at around two thirty p.m. The weather no, so I guess they had had fairly clear weather. Okay. Around 2.30, which is when some of these groups made it to the top, the weather no longer looked as benign as it did when they started. Oh, who would have thunk it? Which is like a a nice way of putting it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Who would have known that the weather would turn on Everest? When does that ever happen? So the descent. So ominous weather that I just talked about, so like the the turning for the worst, Mm. becomes a full-on blizzard. And when we say blizzard on Mount Everest, we're talking about (laughs) snow pellets flying at 110 kilometers an hour. 70 miles an hour. Oh my God. Yeah. So uh, at this point, it's helpful to focus on some individual names. So in my research, I like everyone's, everyone's named, but I kind of just kept it as a group. All right. Now there's some names that we can maybe talk okay. about. <clears throat> so first one, uh, Bukreve. So he's a guide for Mountain Madness, mm. uh, professional mountaineer. He climbed without supplemental oxygen. Mm. Tough guy. Uh, yeah, which... So there's some arguments for and against this mm-hmm. um, that were kind of like after the fact. He wrote a book about this. So like, anyway, so there's some arguments for it. He's saying using, using bottle, bottled oxygen gives climbers a false sense of security. Okay. Um, arguments against, I didn't actually read this anywhere. I came up with this myself. We need oxygen to survive. <laughs> um, it gives you a real sense yeah. of clarity and <laughs> uh, life. Allows you to... Breathe, breathe, live, yeah. move your arms and legs. You know, judge things. So, I don't know. You you be the judge. Yeah. False sense of security or real sense of being alive. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a so, give and a take. So he reaches the camp by 5 p.m. ahead of all of his clients. So remember how I said you've got guides and Sherpas and clients, essentially. Uh-huh. Guides are the ones that didn't set the ropes like they were supposed to. Oh, okay. Uh, and now one of the guides has made it back to the camp ahead of his climates, clients. <laughs> so he claims that he wanted to assist clients further down the slope uh, and retrieve hot tea and extra oxygen if necessary. Hmm. No sure. oxygen is for wimps. Well, yeah. Me. I mean, you don't need that. <laughs> and certainly that you gotta, you gotta have that hot tea ready. Well, though. you gotta so, get that in you, you yeah. know? It's very uh, relaxing. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he descended with one of his clients, but was traveling faster and eventually left them behind. <laughs> Bit of a dick. Yeah. Well, you know, draw <laughs> your own conclusions about Bukreve. I don't know how things are done on Mount Everest, but that sounds like a little bit of a... I'm going to draw a conclusion and assume he drives a great big fat pickup truck. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's my conclusion. That's your... With okay. the brightest lights available on the, <laughs> the headlights. For all the halogen? Yeah. No. That's no, it. that's just Bukreve no. in a nutshell. Yeah, probably. Prick. <laughs> <laughs> so, now let's talk about Hall. So he mm. was a guide for adventure consultants. Uh-huh. A slightly better named team. Daryl Hall <laughs> from Hall & Oates? Probably not. Yeah, it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. Yeah, it would go on to... Fe- no. So, he radioed for help on, on May 10th. And another guide started climbing to him and his group with supplemental oxygen. Mm. He radioed camp again on the 11th, saying that one of his clients was, quote unquote, gone. Oh, dear. Um, and the guy that brought the oxygen was missing. So again. So gone and missing. Everest does not screw around. No. So uh, he actually, so they brought him the bottle of oxygen, but he couldn't breathe it because his regulator was choked with ice. Oh, jeez. He fixed it by 9 a.m. on, on the 11th, yeah. um, but he couldn't use his frostbitten hands and feet. 
So this is this is a little bit dark. Mm. Um, not a lot to joke about here. But he called his wife on the satellite phone through base camp. They picked a name for their unborn child. <sighs> and he told her to sleep well, my sweetheart. Please don't worry too much. And then his body was found on May 23rd by an IMAX film crew on Everest. And <laughs> his wife was like, yeah. Thanks for yeah. climbing Everest while I'm pregnant, asshole. Right. Maybe you like reevaluate your life <laughs> a little bit as a dad to be. A little bit. I was afraid. My opinion might be a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> but I was afraid to uh, leave the house when my wife was pregnant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Are you good? You good? You good? Yeah. Different, I'll be right back. Different choices. Yeah. 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 Can, you, can you like FaceTime me when I'm out of the room just so I know <laughs> you're okay? Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, they actually, they left his body on the mountain at the wife's requ wife's request. So yeah. maybe she understood she how. hated him. <laughs> <laughs> I interpreted that as she understood how important Everest was for him, but right. maybe she hated him. <laughs> how important it was to him. I don't know. That's probably what it was. Uh, but they did bring back his wedding band. Aww. So. She yeah, sold it for peppers. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> so Hutchison, mm. he was a client of Hall's team. Okay. And he had turned around before summoning. Okay. So He's playing it safe. The, yeah. So he launched a search for two climbers that they knew were alive um, from a group that had been caught in the blizzard, including Weathers that we'll get to later. Hmm. So <clears throat> he found them both alive. Hutchison found both of the climbers he was looking for alive, right. but severely frostbitten and unable to move. Oh, Lord. And he decided they couldn't be saved and left them to die, hmm. which is like sounds cold. No pun intended. Mm -hmm. But on Everest, that's kind of... Well, the, the math ends up being very tight. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. Like, I can spend 30 seconds here deciding whether I'm going to take it, take you or leave you. No. And if you can't help yourself, then I can't help you. Yeah. There's not a lot of movie heroics going on here. No. Incredibly pragmatic at this point. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, <clears throat> Weathers. I mentioned Weathers. He was one of the two climbers that Hutchison was going up to find and right. found. So Hutchison leaves him for dead. Mm. Weathers <laughs> regained consciousness later in the day and walked to the base camp by himself. <laughs> like, met up with, Hutchison, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Thought you said we are going to walk together. <laughs> I saw you leave, you jerk. Yeah, so he attempts, uh, so attempts to warm him and give him oxygen didn't really improve his condition much, though. Okay. Uh, and a blizzard collapsed his tent overnight. So the other climbers assumed he was hopeless again yeah. uh, on the morning of the 12th. But <laughs> he emerges from his tent, moving mostly under his own power. <laughs> he made his way down the mountain with the help of eight other climbers. And he survived and recovered, but lost his right hand, left forearm, all fingers on his left hand, and his nose. So, Good God. Remember at the beginning when I asked you what's the laziest you've ever felt? <laughs> I forgot uh, about that, actually. Multiply that by about a billion after hearing about Weathers mm. and the fact that like after being left for dead twice, he made his way down <laughs> Mount Everest with like frostbitten hands and feet. Did he like pass out face down in the, in the, that's why he lost his nose? Maybe. I think I remember reading about that. Really? Okay. Like he, he came down, yeah. like his limbs were... And what he lost were, were momentarily intact because yeah, that's right. what happens. They're black. Yeah, it's yeah. like, you're going to lose that. Yeah. And then it all fell off. Yeah, could be. So the laziest. Uh, <laughs> right. Like what, you know, what's, what's the like, I don't feel like 
doing this. Yeah. Now. Yeah. So I couldn't I couldn't necessarily come up with my own, but after reading that, I'm like <laughs> I just I feel way worse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I probably would not have the the yeah. mental fortitude to pull it together the way he did. No. It's, no. Like but I wouldn't be up there in the first place. Either. Well, that's, I wouldn't have the mental fortitude to go to Everest. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or even consider it. I might, I might consider it, but I get to the base, look up and be like, nah. Yeah. No, no. Nope. That looks high. Yeah. That's, that's far, eh? Probably yeah. cold. <laughs> yeah. Sheesh. Forget it. Forget it. <laughs> Anyone have any chips? <laughs> oh God. Yep. That's, that, that would be it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot of, a lot of devastation on this trip. This is all falling apart. So it was a, it was a nexus of events. So it was basically, it was the sudden blizzard Mm -hmm. with 110 kilometer an hour winds and like, yeah, sleet, whipping people in the face. Jeez. The bottlenecks at both, um, uh, the, the balcony and the Hillary step. Um, some guides dropping dropping the ball. Dropping the ball. That's what it seems like. Uh, exceeding the normal turnaround time of 2 PM. Mm. Like the first group left at 2.30. Would you... Attribute that to the the low oxygen, maybe because I hear it's like judgment like wise. Your judgment is impaired Probably quite a bit. That and there's also uh, <clears throat> well, there's the like the natural tendency of like, well, I know that like most people can't turn around until after two p.m. But right. I I got this. Right, that's probably all it is. So yeah, I'll, I'll make it. I'll Guidelines. be fine. I'll Guidelines. be fine. <laughs> but it's just like <clears throat> that kind of th- that kind of thinking. Is okay when you're contemplating a rolling stop at a stop sign. <laughs> uh, maybe not when you're at the summit of the tallest mountain. On yeah. Yeah. Maybe reassess. Maybe don't think that it's a flexible it's guideline. It's all going to be okay. It'll yeah. be okay. I don't die. Yeah. You're not, you're not going to get, you're not going to get a ticket for this. <laughs> yeah. You're going to lose <laughs> your right hand, it. your left forearm, all the fingers on your left hand and your nose. And your nose. In the best case scenario. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it was also sudden illness of several of the climbers near the summit, probably oxygen deprivation. Right. We didn't even talk about that, but that also happened. Um, summit fever. Yeah. Climbers running out of oxygen, requiring more to be brought to them. Um, so all of these factors led to this being a disastrous climb of Mount Everest. Yeah. And that was the mayhem on Mount Everest <laughs> in 1996. Wow. So there's a great book about it. Um, I think it's called The Climb. Like okay. I said, it's written by uh, Bukreev and another mm. guy. So, Jesus shit. Maybe. Well, <laughs> read the book, make up your own mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, they sound like a bunch of just pains in the ass. Like, <laughs> it's, yeah, but it's like, like, like what we're saying, it's such a foreign context where the decisions that you make have to be made quickly and might not necessarily align. Like they're not the kinds of decisions we're used to making every day. No, absolutely not. And that's why it it should not be taken lightly. Like yeah. I, I imagine a lot of these people were hobbyists at best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you where, have to, I, I'm assuming that like a lot of these people are on teams. So there's probably like some physical standards that you oh, have sure, to meet. Oh, sure, sure. So like hobbyists for sure, but like, you know, fit hobbyists. But, yeah, yeah, I could, you know, Beat me up and, yeah. you know. <laughs> like my brother-in-law, Steve. Right. He's a hobbyist. He's also super He's fit probably, and could probably uh, climb Everest. Impressive specimen. <coughs> but, uh, yeah, it's a long walk from Hillary. Yeah. Yeah. To, yep. you know, just 
droves of people. I think yeah. I can do that. Like you mentioned that earlier. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. it's this weird. And you can read up about it. Like it's happening more and more now. I think it just recently happened where there was overcrowding on Everest and there were similar kind of issues. I don't know if it was a tragedy on this scale, mm. um, but maybe we'll link to that on our social medias. Yes. <clears throat> at this, this disaster pod. That's us. Um, so I hear the, there's a lot of poo up there too. There probably is. A lot is. of poo. Not a whole lot of options. No. At least it doesn't smell because it's probably instantly no, it's frozen. mummified poo. But yeah. It's there. Yeah. Keep an eye out. <laughs> if you're on Everest, don't eat the don't eat brown the... snow. Yeah. <coughs> okay. So music. Mm. Uh, the band Heave. Have you heard of them? No, I have not. They are a super obscure band from Ottawa. Okay. Um, one man band, actually recording project, I guess, of uh, Eric Moore. Ah. He's uh, of Blank Sun fame who made the title track for this podcast. Yeah. So uh, the song is called Squan Dive. It's from the album self-titled Heave from 2013. Apparently he put it together when he was in recording school. He okay. was at time in the studio. So he made like a post-rock kind of ambient record. Nice. Two tracks. Uh, I don't think he has any plans to make any more. So <laughs> it's pretty easy to go through the entire single album discography. Okay. <laughs> uh, so why I picked it, it's kind of like a hollow, cold soundscape. There's a lot of echoing with a low rumble and it sounds a little bit like an avalanche from the distance. Mm. A little bit. Nice. The kind of echoing you might hear on a mountain. Yeah. Right now. Cold, cold mountain. Yeah. Cold, unforgiving mountain. Great use of unforgiving. Littered with poop. <laughs> uh, the poop. Damn it. <laughs> Are we really leaving this on the on a note of the amount of poo on Mount Everest? I'm sorry. Let's focus on the fact that 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 weathers is a badass. Yeah. And I mean, weathers for death twice. <laughs> made it back. Again. What was the guy that left him? Uh, Hutchison? Hutchison, yeah. <laughs> Second time. <laughs> Dude! Yeah. Again? You're the worst friend! Have I wronged you? <laughs> what, <laughs> what did, did I, I do? do? Yeah. Oh, man. So that was another Tragedy Tuesday. Um, thanks for joining us. If you're wondering the best way to help us out, it would be to go on iTunes and uh, leave us a review. Let us know what you think we're doing right, what we could maybe do better. Uh, subscribe while you're there and really anywhere that you listen. Yeah. Um, you can follow us on social medias, Twitter and Instagram at this disaster pod. Uh, you can find us on Facebook as well. And you can find some fun facts. Oh yeah. It's, it's an active community. It's, let me tell you. Yeah. We're not, uh, yeah. well, Peter's not uh, it, lazy about it. He puts in the work. Well, thanks. <laughs> it's not work hey, when you enjoy you. it though. True. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, join us again next week for another major disaster. And thanks for tuning in. Ciao.